Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. I'm just going to go ahead and just tell you this morning, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to get really excited today. First of all, number one. I'm going to get really excited today. I'm excited about this message. I have been excited about this message all week long. I have wanted to preach this message. It took everything I had within me to not preach this message Wednesday night. But Haley preached, and it was so good. It was so right on time with what we needed. You did a beautiful job. I'm so proud of you, even though you called me a mama bird. <laughs> Nonetheless, if you missed it, go back and watch it, all right? She called me a, mom, called me a mama bird. That is not what I said. But anyways, that's not the point. Thank you for getting this for me. One, I'm really excited. Secondly, not only am I excited, but two, I am going to just flow with the Holy Ghost this morning. Okay? So if you have to go, hear me. If you have to go, you go whenever you need to go. Okay? All right? Deal? Deal? Tell your neighbor, you got to go? Go. All right? We don't do pressure. We don't do guilt. We don't do condemnation. You're not going to offend me if you get up and walk out. And if you're trying to offend me and you get up and walk out, you failed. Because <laughs> I'm not offended. I just assume that you have a mission and God's given you a place that you need to be. And that may be dinner with your family. That may be dinner with a coworker. That may be plans or obligations that you have commitments to. You do that. You are not going to upset me. But if you're willing to just brush that off and just let the Holy Spirit speak this morning, I promise you He's got a revelation for you. Amen? Amen. So I just want to take that pressure off. That, that goes for this morning. That goes for any time in the future. you got to go. Go. You're not going to upset me. And if you upset somebody else, it's okay. They'll get over it. And if they don't, you just send them to my office, and we'll walk it out together. Amen? All right. Wake up. John chapter 11. I'm so glad I woke up this morning. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I can't wait to preach that message. It's written down. I can't wait to preach that message on Mary. Oh, I just, Jesus, let me, let me, let me preach it. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. Notice for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, I love this. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Hmm. Jesus. That'd be a strike in somebody's book. I told you I was sick, and you waited two days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. Tell your neighbor, wake up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. (laughs) 
Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. In case you didn't know, he's dead. We all have friends like that. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as that guy, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them and the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the resurrection of that day. You know, I love... I love the fact that even though Martha is frustrated, she still honors Jesus. If you had been here, but I know you can ask God for anything, and he'll do it. That she recognized, she had listened to what Jesus had been speaking. When Jesus said, your brother will rise again, and she answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in Scripture right there. I'm reading all 44 verses today. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for their benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, let your anointing fall in this place. Holy Spirit, speak through me. 
to each one of us exactly what we need to hear from you. God, I pray every distraction, every hindrance, every attempt of the enemy to keep us back from receiving everything you have for us and living the transformation that you've desired for us, God, would be broken, that there would be freedom to receive in this place today. God, I pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive everything that you are speaking and showing and giving to us today. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. God, I pray even now, signs of your word at work would manifest in this place, that, Lord, sick bodies would be healed, that joy would be restored and life renewed. God, I pray if there's anyone in this place or anyone that's joining us online that does not know you, that Jesus, right now, you would show up and pour your love out on their life, that they would know that they are not alone, that they are not forgotten, but that, God, you are with them. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, as I was thinking about this message this morning, I was thinking about, you know, the title that God had given me in the story of Lazarus, which I think is such an incredible story. I think one of my favorite things is, is that first ver- that verse 4 and 5 and 6 that I had read where Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, but he waited two more days. You know, so many times we ask God for something and we have this expectation that it's now. <laughs> now. I want it now. I want my healing now. I want my provision now. I want my promise now. I want what I want from you now. And I love that Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. Someone that he loved. Someone that he was obviously very close to. But yet he stayed for two more days where he was. <laughs> I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But I love that. As I was thinking about this, this message and the title of it, Wake Up, I couldn't help but think back to the days of my youth, just a few years ago. (laughs) Praise God. And as I was thinking back to those days, I remember a time where I was a very hard sleeper, that when I went to sleep, I could not hear anything. Is there anybody here that you are a hard sleeper? You can sleep through a storm. You can sleep through anything. Yeah, okay, all right. How many of you are light sleepers? Like somebody breathes and you're awake, right? You hear someone kind of clear their nose and you're like, why are you making noise? <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> yeah, okay. So there's a lot. There's, we, we have a fairly good balance. We have a lot of light sleepers. I think the older you get, the lighter you sleep. In most cases, not everyone's that way, but in most cases, I know that living on my own, I sleep much lighter than I did when I was at home. Still, when I go home or when my parents come to visit, I hear nothing. It's silent. I'm like, yeah, they got it. They're good. Mom and dad will take care of it. But I have always been a hard sleeper. Ever since I was a little kid, I slept so hard. I couldn't hear anything. I had problems I had problems wet in the bed until I was a much older kid because I slept so hard. My brain could not wake up in order to do that. I don't have a problem confessing that to you. We all have faults and flaws, right? Okay? So tell your neighbor, be real. You know, I'm so tired of the fake face that we put on in the church. Tell your neighbor, don't be fake. Just be real. You got problems. You got, tell your neighbor, you got problems. So do I. All right, good. Let's just go on and clear that up. You ain't perfect. No matter how perfect you try to be, no matter how perfect you try to act, 
We know. We all know. All, we know. You're screaming at your kids one second. The phone rings. Hello? How are you? Yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. We'll get back to you. Click. Now, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I know how it goes. Just be real. So, anyways, I was thinking about that. And the older I got, <laughs> I'm having way too much fun this morning. The older I got, the, the, I, I was, I finally quit wetting the bed in case you didn't, in case you wanted to know. I'll just go ahead and clear that up. I don't have, oh, I love it. <laughs> but the older I got, my mom would come in. She, for, my mother has done everything. She has driven a school bus. She has been a Walmart associate. She has run businesses and offices. She has, you, you just, the woman has done everything. But she was a school bus driver at the time. And uh, yes, she drove a stick shift school bus and picked up kids. The woman can do anything. And so she was going out, and every morning, just about, my mom would come in, and she would remind us of what we needed to take care of that day before she left. So she had to get up fairly early in the morning, 5.45, 5.30, something like that. And so she would come in our room. Multiple times, she would come in and have a conversation with me while I was asleep. So she would give me a list of chores or things that I needed to do, assignments that I needed to take care of. I would have that conversation with her, apparently, allegedly. And then... She would leave, and she would come home at the end of the day, and those things that she had asked to be taken care of weren't done. And so, yeah, ooh, it's bad. That's right. Because in our house, in our house, we had a chore list. We had a rule. Whatever mom and dad tell you to do, you do it. If you didn't do it, punishment followed. So the older we got, it was our privileges, the things that we wanted to do were taken away. You didn't do your chores, you didn't go hang out with your friends. You didn't do what you were asked to do. You didn't get to go and do the things that you wanted to do. And I am thankful that my parents were that way. I'm thankful that I had a chore list. Listen, if your kids don't have a chore list, give them a chore list. Don't you be cleaning up their messes. You teach them how to clean up their own. Amen? You teach your kids how to clean up their own messes. You teach them how to be responsible. My mom told me when she was raising me, she said, I ain't going to have you calling me if you go off to college or you go and move off by yourself asking me how to wash your clothes, how to cook your food, how to do your... You're going to know how to do all of that. And I thank the Lord for that. But this conversation that she says would happen, I would always get in trouble because I didn't do what she said. And I would say, Mom, I don't ever remember you telling me that. And she would say, I talked to you this morning. I had a full-on conversation. You talked back to me. You, you, you told me things that you were gonna, how you were going to do some of those things. How do you not remember? I was like, I don't ever remember you coming in my room. I never heard anything. And she was like, I have had this whole conversation with you. So my mom started this new thing <laughs> when she would come in my room to tell me something. She would open the door. She would turn the light on. And she would say, wake up. Wake up! And she would say that until I acknowledged her. And this is what she would say. Stand up so that I know that you're awake. <laughs> so every morning, I would have to get up out of bed. And she, she would say, come out here into the kitchen. So I would have to get up out of bed. And I would have to walk into the kitchen so that I knew... And she knew that I was awake, and I knew everything that she was saying. I didn't struggle with sleepwalking, so that wasn't a problem for me, all right? If you sleepwalk, that, that just scares me. You know, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, but that's terrifying. But no, I, I didn't have that problem. But she would, she would tell me, wake up. 
And, and, and we would have the conversation so that she knew, so that she knew that I heard what she was saying. You know, I got to thinking about that story and in this message, and I thought, man, there is so much of the church that's asleep. There is so much of the church that is just like me in the mornings, that Jesus is coming in and he's talking to us, and he's telling us things, he's wanting to show us things, but we won't wake up enough to hear what he has to say. We're laying in bed, we know we know that there are things that need to be done. We know that there are things that need to happen. We know there are things that we want. But we, we, haven't, we haven't woken up enough. We haven't gotten up and actually, actually opened our eyes. <laughs> actually stood up on our feet and walked in what it is that God has for us. To hear what He's speaking to our lives. To experience what it is that He wants to do in us and through us for this world and for us. Tell your neighbor, it's time to wake up. You know, one thing that I found is that when it's time to wake up, there's a whole lot of us that don't want to be woke up. As a youth pastor, my least favorite thing was to wake kids up when it was time to go somewhere. It was an act of Congress to get them out of bed. And I thought, you know, that is so much so, that, that is so much like the church. We got a reason to get up. We've got a reason to be awake. We've got a reason to get up and to walk in the things that God has for us. We have a reason to worship. We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to rejoice. We have something inside of us that the world doesn't have. When I walk into Walmart, I've got something that those who have not yet encountered the love of God don't have. I've got a reason. There's a reason that I have joy even when I'm overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. There's a reason that I have peace even when I don't know what direction I'm going to take or the next step I'm going to take. There's a reason that I have such excitement and anticipation because I know that even though the world around me may be falling apart, though it may look like the the end has come, though it may feel like nothing's ever going to change. I have this excitement. I have this joy. I have this expectation. I have a reason to get out of bed in the morning and to do what God has called me to because what I have, what God has given me, what He's placed within my life is reason enough for me to wake up and walk in everything He has for me. The problem is, too much of the church is entombed because their faith has died. Too much of the church is not walking in the power that God has for it and the life that God has for it because their faith has died. It is entombed. <laughs> there has been a burial service for the church. When somebody dies, there's always talk around that. You know what the talk is around the death of our faith in the church, especially in the United States of America? Well, I remember how it used to be. <laughs> well, I remember how it was. I remember those services where God's glory and His presence showed up. Can I ask you a question? Why do we talk about it like it's dead and gone? 
Is it because our faith to believe that it's still available has died? I'm convinced that as the church, we have buried our faith. And Jesus has come to tell us this morning, wake up. (laughs) Jesus has come this morning to tell us it is time for you (laughs) to get up and to come out and to experience what I have for you. It is time for you to stop walking around as if you don't have the power and you don't have the means and you don't have the ability and that you'll never experience and that you'll never witness and that you'll never encounter. We've got too much of a dead church that's talking without power, that's talking without life, that's talking without being awake. We've got too much of a dead church that's sleepwalking, not experiencing or living out the potential of what God has called too much of His church is walking around as if it has no life, miserable and frustrated, overwhelmed and overtaken, moved by the slightest shift of the wind, moved by the slightest shift of what people say and how people talk, convinced that what it looks like and what it feels like and what it seems like and how it is is all that it'll ever be. But friends, I've come to tell you that Jesus didn't stay in the grave when they nailed Him to the cross. Jesus didn't give up on his word and his promises for your life. Jesus didn't settle for death. He didn't settle for less than what he promised you. He called you by name. He chose you and said, I love you. And I Whatever price, I'll pay whatever price, I'll do whatever it takes, but I won't stop until I wake you up and you walk in the life that I have for you. Tell your neighbor, stop settling. Stop settling. The devil wants you, oh, Jesus. The devil wants you to stay in, he wants your faith to stay in tune. He wants your faith to stay buried. If he can keep your faith buried, then the kingdom of God can advance where you are. Ooh, there is, mm. there is such an outpouring of the glory of God that is on the brink of breaking loose in Camden, Arkansas. We are on the brink of an outpouring of the glory of God in this region, in this area. The glory of God is about to be poured out in this place. And I don't know about you. I'm not going to wait for Jesus to walk by and hope that he dumps a little out on me. But I'm going to have a little bit of faith like the blind man on the way on the road to Jericho. I'm going to have a little bit of faith like Zacchaeus who would climb a tree. I'm going to have some desperate faith like the woman with the issue of blood and say, Jesus! You're not passing me by until I get a hold of you. Jesus, you're not passing me by until I experience your glory in my life. Nothing's going to change our situation. Nothing's going to change the course that this nation is on. Nothing's going to change the course that this planet is on unless the church wakes up and steps out into the life that Jesus has called us to. I feel Jesus in this place. Tell your neighbor, wake up. We've been asleep for far too long. We've been asleep for far too long. It's time for us to cry out to God. To ask like we believe it. To ask with desperation. To ask until we find. He said, seek me and you will find me. He said, call upon my name. I refuse to settle until I get a hold of Jesus. Oh, I feel like some people are waking up this morning. (laughs) So this morning, let me share with you just a couple of things from the Word. 
from this encounter, from this story, the first thing is this. Number one, <laughs> you are not forgotten. You know, I understand that some of the greatest, I understand that some of the greatest difficulties that we have, some of the greatest challenges that we face in the church and walking in what God has is that too many of us feel as if God has forgotten us. Well, I prayed and God didn't do anything. I fasted. I gave. I spent time in the Word. I spent time in prayer. But God didn't show up. I called for Him and He didn't come. You feel as if God has forgotten you because He hasn't shown up yet. He didn't answer your prayer. Oh, I'm on to something. It got quiet in this joint. You feel as if God has forgotten the promise that He gave you. You are not forgotten. He heard your cry the very first time you gave it. He heard your call the very first time that you called. And He has not forgotten but hear me in this place. When he does it, he does it right. Amen. He doesn't cut a corner. He doesn't do it halfway. He does it all the way. And you are not forgotten. God has not forgotten his promise to you. He has not forgotten the dream that he's given you. He has not forgotten what he said he would do. He knows your pain and he knows your disappointment. He knows the sorrow and the losses that you have faced. He knows the difficulties that you've endured. He knows the struggles that you've walked through. He knows how the enemy has done everything that he can to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy your life, to destroy your calling so that he can entomb your faith and keep you from walking in what you know Jesus has called you to. But I'm here to remind you this morning that God has not forgotten you. Your disappointment, your frustration, your anger, your grief has caused you to choke the life out of your faith. And you have buried your faith. It is entombed. And Jesus is here this morning to call that faith back to life inside of you. To remind you that He has not forgotten what He spoke to you. He has not forgotten the promise that He gave you. You don't believe me? Let me remind you of Abraham and Sarah. Old, old, old. And had a baby. Ninety and a hundred. Congratulations, you're pregnant. We laugh, but he did it. Congratulations, you're a brand new mama. <laughs> See, the problem is, is God gives us a promise or God speaks a word into our lives and we're convinced that it's now. Because of the now world that we live in, if it doesn't happen right away, then we're convinced it doesn't, it's, not, it's never going to happen. It's the reason that our world's in the chaotic mess that it's in. If we don't get it now, we throw a fit. If we don't get it now, we, 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 we complain and we gripe and we moan. You know, that reminds me of a certain group of people 
Oh, yes, hold on. Yes, they were chosen by God, as a matter of fact. Oh, yes, that's right. He did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle to deliver their hind ends out of slavery and towards the promised land. And all they could do was gripe and complain along the way. Can you imagine to be so disappointed, to be so frustrated, to be so angry, to be so overwhelmed with grief that you have the audacity to say to the man that is leading you out, it would have been better if you'd have just left us enslaved. Tell me that some faith hadn't died. See, the problem is, is God didn't stop working miracles in our lives. God didn't stop working miracles in the church. In fact, if you'll look around, if you'll pause long enough and have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll witness the miraculous things of God that have been happening all around you. I can tell you He still raises the dead because I prayed for those that, were, that had completely lost every bit of life within their bodies and life has returned. I know that He still does it. I have seen people who were blind who, are, who can now see. I've seen people who were deaf and can now hear. I've seen people who were told they only had money to live, yet that years later they're still testifying of the healing and the glory of God. It's not that the miracles stopped. It's that God didn't answer my prayer and so I decided to throw a fit. God didn't do what I wanted Him to do when I thought He said He was going to do it. So I'm going to plant myself right here and gripe about the fact that He doesn't love me, that He's not working, that He's not faithful. And what I'm going to do is choke the life out of the faith that He has given me until it's entombed in a grave. It takes a miracle to get it out. You are not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. Well, Connor, he gave me life and set me free, but I feel like I've been in a desert. Friends, I got news for you. Every promise that God has for you, there'll be a desert you've got to walk through. I love that God had the Israelites in Egypt, that they had to cross through the wilderness to get to the promised land. Because in our lives, every promise has a process. The problem is, is too many times we die in the process and never make it to the promise. You are not forgotten. (laughs) Oh, verse number four says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And then Lazarus died. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And then Lazarus died. Well, God, you told me that you were going to give me. Well, God, you told me that you were going to do. Well, God, you said that you promised. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And then he died. They buried him. See, the problem is, is too many times when we become convinced that God isn't carrying through on His promises, what happens is, is we feel that God has forgotten us and we give up. Because Jesus didn't drop everything and come when we called. We feel as if we're forgotten. Jesus didn't forget. God didn't forget. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what was going to take place. Tell your neighbor, God knows. God knows your story, and He knows exactly where you are. 
You're not forgotten. But Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. You want to know why? Because faith that is alive is not moved by pressure or fear. Faith when it is alive is not moved by pressure or fear. You hear me? Faith when it is alive is not moved by pressure or fear. You know why the church is dead? Because we move every time we feel the pressure. We react every time we're faced with fear. We turn and change courses and directions. We change plans and move from one place to the next because we feel the pressure, because we're fearful of what might be, of what could be. See, faith when it's alive does not care what it looks like or it feels like, it recognizes that there's a process that's in place. And for a little while, it may look like it's buried and gone. For a little while, it may feel like there's nothing there. But all of this is part of the process. Jesus heard word, and he stayed two more days and kept doing what he was doing. Why? Because he knew where he was at was where he was supposed to be. And that it didn't matter how many days it was between when he heard and where he was supposed to go. All he had to do was step out and walk into where God was telling him to go and he would see the miracles of heaven. Secondly, this morning, death is defeated. (laughs) Death is defeated. The greatest thing that you and I have to fear is death. The greatest thing that you and I have to fear is death. But as a child of God, we have no reason to fear that. To make the declaration that, that Paul made to live as Christ, but to die as gain. What's the worst thing the enemy can do to you? The worst thing that the enemy can do to you is kill you. And here's the thing. As a child of God, if he does that, he's just lost again. All he's done is sealed his fate just a little bit more. Why? Because death is no match for the king of kings. God is calling His church to wake up. When we realize that death is defeated, then we are unstoppable. The things that require faith in order to witness and to experience the miraculous things of God will be a second-hand nature to us as believers because we realize the greatest thing we could ever fear has already been defeated. Jesus said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I've got a reason to wake up. I've got a reason to live every single day by faith. I've got a reason to worship. I've got a reason to sing. I've got a reason to rejoice. I've got a reason to testify. I've got a reason to celebrate because I know that the King is alive and He is on His throne. That when Jesus came and He paid the price for me, He conquered death, hell, and the grave. I don't even have to fear death because I know I've already won. So this problem with my marriage is no match. This issue with my children is no battle. This financial situation that I am is nothing to sweat. This uncertainty of my job is nothing for me to fear. I don't have to worry about what's next or how to. If I'll just walk and talk with Jesus for a little while, if I'll just listen for His voice saying, come out, if I'll just listen as He calls, my name, that I can walk in the faith, walk in the confidence, walk in the joy, because I know that death is defeated. 
What's the devil got over you? Nothing. What can he do to stop you? Nothing. You're on a mission for the king. You're on kingdom business. <laughs> you know, part of the thing part of the thing that I think is so hard for us to realize is that we fail to recognize that God has called us to walk in life with him every single day. When I dismiss this service this afternoon, I'm going to pray over you like I do every service, a blessing over your life that God would surround your home and your property, the places that you work with the angels of heaven, and that His glory and His presence would be evident in that place. The reason that I pray that is because I believe that this isn't where our walk with Jesus stops. Your business, your job, your place where you work, where you serve, where you go to school, where you're getting an education, the grocery store where you shop, the bank that you bank at, everywhere that you go, you have been positioned there on divine assignment from the King of kings and Lord of lords. You have something inside of you. Paul says we have this treasure hidden in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When we pray, miracles happen. When we speak, the heaven, heaven moves. God gave us through what Jesus did. The the ability to experience what it is He has for us so that we could see His kingdom come and His will be done so that every lost soul would know what love is. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Thirdly, when we wake up, we believe again. <laughs> Verse number 40, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If we're going to wake up, we have to believe again. Tell your neighbor, you've got to believe. You have to believe. If you don't believe, you will never receive anything from the Lord. Not even your salvation. If you don't believe, if you don't believe, how could you have ever received your salvation? The problem is, is too many of us have our belief buried in a tomb. Too many of us have buried our belief in the tomb. We're so caught up in our offense, in our bitterness, in our anger, and our frustration because we've been disappointed by God that we, that we can't even hear what God is saying. We can't even hear Jesus calling us out. We can't even believe because we won't let go to receive what He has for us. You and I have got to come to a place that we believe again. The prayer I pray for healing over your sick body is not just something that I say because I'm a preacher and that's what I should do. It's something that I believe because I've seen it, I've seen it happen. <laughs> not long after my parents had made a, a uh, faith move, I, I call it a, uh, an Abraham faith move. They just... Gave everything they had away because the Lord told them to, and they moved to Jonesboro, Arkansas. They weren't moving there for a job. They weren't moving there for anything. Everyone thought they were crazy. And that was fine. They didn't care because they knew what Jesus had said. And they knew that if you were obedient and you trusted God, He would provide. The Lord said, I will take care of everything you have need of. And friends, I can tell you He has. 
from the cars that he has blessed us with to the homes that he has provided us with to the things that he has done. He has been faithful to his word and his promise. And there are still promises as a result of that move that they made that they're waiting on God for. And you know what? My parents aren't the least bit moved by it. They just keep waiting. Because they know he's faithful. (laughs) But you know, not long after that move, we were in a season of time where mom and dad didn't have insurance. They didn't have... uh, they didn't have any kind of insurance for us. And there was a conference that was taking place in Dallas that my mom and some of the ladies from our local church had gone to um, that was taking place down there, just a church conference that was happening. And my dad had come home from work that morning. He worked part-time at UPS at the time. He came home, and I had packed all of our bags. God had woken me up in the middle of the night. I was about, uh, I guess I was 10 or 11. And God had woken me up, and he had told me that we were supposed to go to Dallas. So I packed our bags. My dad came home and I said, listen, God told me we're supposed to go to Dallas. We're supposed to be at that conference tonight. And my dad looked at me and he said, oh, he did. (laughs) And I said, yes, sir, he did. And I said, I'm just telling you. And I knew what God had shown me. I knew what God had said to me. And I said, we're supposed to go. I don't know why, but we're supposed to go. And so my dad prayed about it. And he called my mom and they prayed about it. And so he came back and he said, okay. He said, I believe you're right. He said, we're going to go. So we got in the car and we drove. And we got to this conference in Dallas. And uh, when we got there, we went in for the service. And when we went into the service that night, they were praying for people who needed um, cavities filled. And I had at the time, I had three cavities. I don't remember how many Haley had. She had she has problems with her teeth, so she had a lot. <laughs> so... But they were praying for people to have cavities filled. Mind you, my parents didn't have the money to take us to the dentist. I don't even think they knew we had the cavities. So it was kind of a surprise to them in the moment. But we went up there, and the Lord filled those cavities. Every single one of them totally healed those cavities. Since then, I haven't had a cavity in my teeth. I can't speak for her. I haven't had a cavity in my teeth. It was so cool because what would have cost an ungodly amount of money paying out of pocket without insurance, God took care of in one second. When we believe that God will do it and we're obedient, even when it doesn't make sense, what keeps us entombed, our faith entombed, is a lot of times we don't believe because it seems crazy or unusual. Well, that just doesn't make sense. Well, neither did walking around the walls of Jericho, but guess what? The walls fell down. (laughs) Neither did blowing some trumpets and breaking some glass pitchers, but guess what? Turned out it worked for Gideon and his 300 men. (laughs) We want to experience the faith that God has for us, but we don't want to believe. Because to believe makes us look crazy to the world. I got a question for you. You living to impress the world? Are you living for what Jesus has for you? Because I don't know about you, I ain't settling for the approval of the world. Last time I checked, things weren't faring too well. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, it's time to believe again. So when I pray for healing in your life, I'm not just hoping that God might magically stop by and pat you on the shoulder and everything will get better. I'm believing for God to totally reverse what cancer has done. 
to totally reverse the damage of diabetes, to totally do away with high blood pressure, and not just the effects, but the actual cause of what made your blood pressure so high in the first place, that you don't have to rely on medication and 15 different pills every morning when you get out of bed, but that you can have healing in your life, that you don't have to settle for the report that you get about your health. I was reading about a, just the other day, I was reading about John G. Lake. He was an evangelist. He was born in the late 1800s. Ministered from about 1890 to 1935, I believe it was. God had called him to Spokane, Washington. God gave him a healing ministry. (laughs) The United States government listed Spokane, Washington during the time that he lived there as the healthiest place to live in the United States of America because people were being healed and healed. I think there were... I think there were like 1,000 or 1,500 documented cases of miracles, healing miracles that happened. God does it. All we have to do is believe it. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, wake up. Wake up. Lastly, I know you're hungry. Fourthly, he is. Yeah, y'all got hungry now, didn't you? Eat a light lunch and come back this evening. If you don't, I'm going to come knock on your door. Fourthly. He is, hey, will you switch that slide for me? Because I have the same notes they have and it's blank. He is calling me out no matter what. That's what I thought I said. He is calling me out no matter what. Tell your neighbor, he's calling me out no matter what. (laughs) Tell, Tell your neighbor, you can stay if you want to. No, you didn't tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you can stay if you want to. He's calling me out. You know, I wonder what would happen if we had some people that actually believed that Jesus was showing up to the grave of their faith and he was calling them out. (laughs) I wonder what would happen if we had the faith to believe that Jesus would do exactly what he said. Verse 43, he said, When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Can you imagine the shock of the people that were standing around when Jesus said, roll back the stone? Well, Jesus, he's been dead. He stinks. Don't you know he stinks? Don't you know that you're crazy? Nobody rolls back the, the, the stone of a grave. Have you lost your mind? I'm so glad that Jesus' faith wasn't dead. I'm so glad that he had the faith to believe. I'm so glad that he was willing to walk hand in hand with the Heavenly Father to recognize just exactly what God wanted to do in a village called Bethany just outside of Jerusalem when he said, roll away the stone. Do you not believe? If you'll believe, then you'll see my glory. If you'll believe, then you'll encounter the promises that I have for you. Roll back the stone. Rolled back that stone and he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. You know how many people are probably standing around there going, this dude has lost his mind. He is crazy. They are going to lock him up. He has lost it. But wouldn't you know that here comes a man wrapped in grave clothes and Jesus says, set him free. Set him free. No matter what, Jesus is calling me out. No matter what, Jesus is calling you out. No matter what, Jesus is going to call your name. My question to you today is, will you wake up?
Will you wake up? Do you hear the master's voice? Do you hear Jesus calling out to you? Wake up. It's time to take doubt and bury it instead. It's time to take fear and bury it instead. It's time to take these grave clothes of doubt and fear and insecurity, uncertainty, disappointment, anger, offense, bitterness, and despair. Cut that junk off. Bury it in the tomb. And walk in the freedom and the life that Jesus has called you to. It is time for the church that God has called and that He has established to wake up and walk in the power and the promises of what He has. To stand in the marketplace. To stand in the schools. To stand in our workplaces. And declare that the King is alive and He's on His throne. That there is no match for His name. That He is higher and he is greater and he is stronger and that he can do absolutely anything to stand with boldness and determination that my city will walk in the blessings and the favor and the glory of God that my children will run and call on the name of Jesus and walk hand in hand with him that my marriage will be restored healthy thriving and growing as we seek the Lord that my business will be blessed, that our schools will be full of children who are walking in the presence and the glory of God, that I will encounter His healing and His miracles, the signs and wonders and evidence that He is alive and He's in control, that poverty will be destroyed, that racism will be demolished, that love will be unleashed, that joy will be restored, that the church will stand united and say, my God, my our king, our king is alive. He's on the throne. Death is defeated. Hell is no match. We are the children of God. We are the king. We are here for the king of kings and lord of lords. We won't settle for poverty. We won't settle for despair. We won't settle for hopelessness. But we'll call on the name of Jesus and say, God, we won't let you pass our city. We won't let you pass our families. We won't let you pass this place. We believe. We believe. Come on, church. If you're awake this morning, would you just call on the name of Jesus? Jesus, I'm awake. Jesus, I'm awake. Jesus, I'm awake. God, I speak life in the name of Jesus over your people. God, that we would wake up and walk in what you've called us to. That we would wake up and walk in the promises that you've given us. That God, we would witness and we would experience the miracles of heaven in our lives. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle from God in your life, I want you to come down to the front of this altar right now and just find a place and begin to cry out to God. You need healing in your body? Cry out to